return to a galaxy far, far away. Ready, everybody? Chewy, let's see what this piece of junk can do. Here we go again. You will bring Captain Solo and the Wookiee to me. <laughs> Return to heroic adventure. You don't know the power of the dark side. Return to the ultimate confrontation. Freeze! Don't move! Oh dear. I love you. I know. Return for the climactic chapter of the Star Wars saga. Exciting is hardly the word I would choose. But most of all, return for the fun of it. Return of the Jedi. Welcome everyone from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 477, Why We Love Return of the Jedi, part one. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Admiral Piet to my Admiral Akbar, we've got Carl LeClaire. <laughs> it's an older code, sir, but it checks out. I was about to clear them. You smell like fish. Mm, it's a trap! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jason, glad to have you back, buddy. I know you had a pretty busy week last week with your work conference and a busy social stuff over the weekend glad to be back glad to be talking about your favorite star wars movie i am so excited to be back in the wampa's lair uh this is like it's weird even when i have a you know crazy stuff going around me the wampa's lair is always like a recharge place so i'm glad to come back and do this i talk about as you said my favorite Star Wars movie of all time. It's been too long since we've talked about Return of the Jedi, and I am so excited to be back in this movie. Um, <laughs> I feel like there's moments I will be a, a broken record, uh, but I, I also try to, to change things up a bit. So I've got some new things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, and, and in that vein, I mean, we, we, we had we'd kind of plotted out how we wanted to do the next few episodes through the rest of the summer, and we were planning to do this two-part kind of top essentially eight to 10 moments from return of the Jedi. But then we remind, well, we kind of have done the moments thing. So this is, this is sometimes this episode, these next two episodes are going to be a little bit more broad, more thematic based things about return of the Jedi as a whole that we really love. Um, I know Jason between you and I, we're obviously going to talk about some particular moments and particular scenes to be sure. Um, but this should be yes. a little bit of a new angle of this conversation. And we were planning on doing this two part thing a little bit later, but then uh, we're fortunate so fortunate to have Jen join me last week when you couldn't be here and talking our minor characters. I feel like between 
both of our lists, three quarters of them were Return of the Jedi characters. So I was just feeling so much Return of the Jedi. And I messaged you right after. And I'm like, pretty sure he's not going to mind. But how about we bump this up to next week? And you were all in. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I was very excited. And I, I did get a chance to listen to last week's episode, which was fantastic. Uh, I felt a little disappointed I was not able to contribute to the conversation because I found myself going, ooh, I want to talk about this person too. Um, <laughs> but I was just listening to myself in my apartment and talking out loud is generally frowned upon, but I do it anyways. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was a great episode. And, and Jen, thanks for filling in for me uh, on such short notice. So I we appreciate it. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and at some point, Jason, I, do, I mean, you and I were talking a little bit earlier this afternoon. Um, I'd love to get your list because I know you have so many favorite minor characters. So as soon as you come up with your list, we'll be sure to post that so folks can can uh, hear who you like as well. Um, Absolutely. I, I, I got like to go through my catalog, my Rolodex of, yeah, yeah, of yeah. minor <laughs> characters and pick out my favorites because there's so many. Um, I, the so, one yeah. I was really happy Jed and I overlapped on, um, uh, good old Dexter Jetster. Dex. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. he'd probably be on your list, but I Dex, Dex is a contender. Watto is a contender. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, there's, there's a lot out there that I'd, I'd have to. And, and the big question is, is what, what? It separates them from a, being a minor character to a background character because sure. you know that line gets blurred a lot. And you guys mentioned that in the the episode you know, that line gets blurred a lot. So I got to figure out: all right, is this a minor character? Or is this a background character? And then finish my list from there. So yeah, well, I think I think that 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 was a pretty vague line for both of us because I mean, picking somebody for me like Malakili, I mean, he's more of a background character than a minor character, but didn't care still ran with it <laughs> absolutely and and that's the thing with us star wars fans is you know whatever works so yeah. we, we all have our preferences and the characters that we love and you can talk about it whenever you want absolutely so. <laughs> yeah so yeah well like we said the next couple the next two weeks here we're going to be doing this two-part series on why we love Return of the jedi um put some you know i've been put put out a post on, on our social media earlier this week and asked folks what some of the things they loved about return of the Jedi. Some, some of, some of the folks obviously responded with some great moments, things that I know are going to come up in, in my list for sure. If not this week, certainly next week. Um, so excited to get into it. And with that, that said, Jason, I'm going to kick this off. Cause I feel like I'm always passing the buck to you and we end on me, uh, end on me. So for once it'd be a nice, change of pace to end with your moment today so um my the first thing i want to mention for why i love return of the jedi um and i'm fairly certain this is something you're going to have as well maybe not this week but probably next week um and it's specifically (laughs) the sarlacc battle um the battle Mm -hmm. over the sarlacc pit is such a tremendously fun scene um, and I'd be remiss to not mention the fact that the Sarlacc Pit, Sarlacc Pit podcast was the show that kind of got us on our feet. It was the show that kind of inspired us to do the Wampus Lair. Um, you know, Matt and Chris over there all those years ago had a great show running and we kind of just picked up the baton and, and kept going. Um, but 
even in you know, but specifically in the context of the Star Wars Return of the Jedi movie, the Sarlacc pit is just such a great um, action sequence. Um, and what I love so much about the Sarlacc pit battle is that it's the first time we get to see this whole group of heroes working together you know with the addition of lando now um and we get to see ultimately that when they work together there's kind of nothing they can't accomplish um and to me the starlight pit battle is also kind of this um micro story of the macro story that will be return of the jedi it's this unlikely band of characters of misfits who come together and overthrow this oppressive power that is jabba the hut jabba is just a, a micro version of the empire right he keeps his his boot excuse me his tail on the throats of countless beings across <laughs> the galaxy um and here you have this unlikely band of heroes coming together to overthrow him um the battle is so much fun. We've talked uh, a lot over the years, you especially, Jason, about the music in this particular moment. Um, you know, the, yes. those, those, those muted trumps giving way to the, the Rebel Alliance theme for Luke as he s- jumps into battle. And it's so fun because the Sarlacc Pit is where you really get to see Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight. You know, obviously, he, yeah. he his fight with the Rancor is big. It's, it's important. But this is where we see him wielding a lightsaber of his own creation and acting like a Jedi Knight. And, you know, the kind of the, the mirror to me of this is, is the beginning of episode one when we see Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan just marching through the Trade Federation battleship, right? Kind of setting this precedence mm. of this is what Jedi do in combat. They're kind of just this unstoppable force. And that's what Luke is kind of embodying at the Sarlacc pit. Um, and also worth mentioning that Leia is, she is the one who slays the oppressor. I mean, Leia's whole storyline all of leia's uh character arc is always about overthrowing the oppressive empire um jabba is he is the emperor he is vader he is tarkin kind of in a fat grotesque way and leia destroys that force of oppression personally at her own hands um, and, and I think, right, she in her own right steps into this really heroic moment um, by taking out Jabba. Um, and then, of course, Han and, three, uh, Han and Chewie coming together to, to rescue Lando, um, right, Just clearly indicating bygones will be got bygones. You know, Lando's thrown his lot in with this particular crew. Um, he wouldn't be there if it weren't for the fact that he cares. Um, so yeah, the Sarlacc pit is the first thing I want to mention because it's it's everything coming together and we're firing on all the right cylinders. Uh, it's a great sequence and and one that I will definitely be talking more about next week. Um, <laughs> but I will just say a few things uh, in response. The music is 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 the music from Disney is always in in my top you know, favorite music from Return of the Jedi in general. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite action cues from the original trilogy. Um, so that's always a great thing. It, and it really is getting to see our heroes all together again, basically for the first time since the end of A New Hope. Um, you know, so it's it's always wonderful to see them all come together, you know, defeat the, the evil crime boss Jabba the Hutt, uh, I was watching Return of the Jedi this uh, this afternoon, um, you know, during work. You know, I had had it on in the background during work because uh, I can do that now because I work from home and I've got my own setup. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I was watching the scene and the fact that Leia, who is a small person, is able to wrap a chain around a gigantic fat hut's neck and strangle him to death is very impressive uh, because uh, I, I would not expect a hut to be easily strangled. Um, so <laughs> considering it's, do they have a neck? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, not really. <laughs> not really, but she manages to find it anyway and strangle him to death. So uh, it, it was just uh, one of those moments that caught me this time as I was watching it, but it was like, yeah, it's a great scene and I love it. And it's, the, it's punctuated at the end as a, you know, oh, and don't forget the droids. And they just swing over and pick R2 and 3PO up out of the sand. And, of course, 3PO is upside down. Um, <laughs> it's just like it, it's, it's, it's comical. a fun sequence. Yeah. It's comical. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a fun sequence. It's got a great action. It's got some humorous moments in there. Um, and, and all our heroes get to come together and, and save each other and make it out alive. So it's it's a fantastic sequence, and I'll have more stuff to talk about next week on it. So <laughs> yeah, um, actually, I'm glad you mentioned the the you know don't forget the droids. The music at that point too. It's just it's the music is so happy and triumphant. Again, just kind of indicating mm-hmm. what's to come by the end of this story. Um, like we're again getting it in this micro level. It's a in, and the rest of the story will be the macro story of taking on the galactic empire. But yeah, I just love the way the music swings up into this really triumphant. Um, really happy music. Uh, it, it's just, it's just wonderful. Yeah, it is, and it and it flows just perfectly as they, you know, leave Tatooine and fly off into space and get ready to, you know, start the next stage of this climactic adventure. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, what about but, you? Um, what is the what is the first particular thing that stands out to you for Love and Return of the Jedi? The first thing that I wanted to talk about, and this is something that um, I don't think I've talked about on the show before, and it struck me as I was watching Return of the Jedi. It's weirdly been a long time since I sat down and watched the whole movie, so having it on today while I was working was really great. Um, So, uh, and it was something that I noticed. is that everyone in the empire is scared of the emperor. Mm. Um, you know, we start off the movie with Vader coming in, uh, you know, basically trying to lay down the law with Moff Gergerod and Gergerod is, is, you know, not, you know, fully secure, but he's not like shaking in his boots with Vader. He's, he's trying to say, you know, it, it's, it's just not possible. I need more men. You know, all this stuff. And then, you know, Vader says, well, perhaps you can tell the Emperor that when he arrives. And Jerjerod just, like, you can see the blood drain out of his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, oh, the Emperor's coming here? And you can see him get caught in mouth. And he's just <laughs> absolutely petrified. Um, I, I hope he was hadn't just drunk a big glass of water. Because I'm sure that would have, you know, been a nice little mess in his um, uniform. But, you know, we're going <laughs> to... You know, he he was caught completely off guard and terrified of the Emperor. And Vader is standing there, you know, looking very imperious throughout it. But then when the Emperor actually arrives, Vader is on his knee um, and 
breathing in a way that gives you the idea that he's tense mm-hmm. and a little anxious, which is something we have never seen Vader be before. Um, so, you know, we, we saw him, you know, give reverence to the Emperor in Empire Strikes Back when, you know, he went to have the, the hollow conference with him. But this time, Vader seems tense. Vader seems uh, a little anxious. And that's unusual. Um, very unusual. And then we, you know, even later when he brings Luke in uh, and Luke, after the Emperor, you know, talks to him about the the lightsaber, ah, the Jedi's weapon, much like your father's, you know. Uh, and he starts to turn back to the throne, and Luke says, your overconfidence is your weakness. The look Vader gives mm-hmm. to Luke, yeah. he just, his head snaps around. And he's <laughs> like, I can't believe you just said that. You know, your overconfidence is your weakness. Your faith in your friends is yours. It's a great scene. I love the scene. It's fantastic. Um, and then... Vader tries to like smooth things over by saying it's pointless to resist my son. You know, he tries to calm things down. Uh, So it's weird. It's, it's very interesting how, you know, everything character that in 1983, no one had really ever seen before. And we were told everything we need to know from the reactions of everybody else. Whenever the emperor is mentioned or shows up, um, And it's fantastic. So uh, that was something I picked up on a lot. And I, you know, I'll kind of knew it anyways, but it was just, it was just sort of nailed home to me watching everybody's reactions this time around going, Oh yeah, they really are just scared spitless um, over this guy. So (laughs) I love that. I actually have something similar that I'm going to mention a little bit later on the episode. Um, but I want to just point out the the moment you talk about, you know, when the emperor arrives and Vader's on his knee, you know, bowed down before him. As I was watching the movie this afternoon, um, I w- there was just something that like struck me. It's like, I don't know why, but I just assume his eyes are closed, too. Again, we have no idea because mm-hmm. he's got a mask on and a helmet. But there's something about it where it's like even his eyes are closed, like in the state of reverence um, and mm-hmm. submission. Um, which yeah. I'll, I'll mention a little bit more on it in a little bit here, but, uh, yeah, uh, I, it's so cool that you, you pick up on this too. I have, I, again, I have something similar to say, just a little bit of a different angle. So, um, but I'll get to awesome. that a little later. Um, so what's, uh, what's the next one you want to bring up? So the next one for me, um, it's a weirdly specific moment. Um, and the reason I just let it be what it is is because it's a moment I've never explicitly talked about before when talking about Return of the Jedi. Um, but it, one of the, one of my favorite themes in Return of the Jedi is that of forgiveness. Um, and I'll get into more of that next week talking about Anakin's redemption. Um, but the first kind of glimpse of it we get is this beautiful scene between Han and Lando where Han entrusts the Falcon to Lando. Um, it's just this little scene that it, it's something that like – it makes me love this movie. Um, you know, obviously earlier in the film during the Sarlacc pit battle, they're trying to help Lando, but this is something totally different. This is, this isn't just forgiveness. This is also reconciliation, right? Um, like the, that's, that's a part of forgiveness. Sometimes that's not talked about enough. And I don't mean this purely in a religious sense, um, right? Like you can forgive somebody, but I feel like a lot of times when we talk about forgiveness, we mean like, well, forgive and forget. Right. But actually, 
the proper next step is forgive and reconcile, right? Um, because reconciliation is what allows you to then build something new, build a better relationship. And that's what's happening in this moment is it's cleared over the Sarlacc pit, the way he jumps into action to rescue his old friend, um, that this is a friendship that Han still values. He understands you know, clearly that Lando was put in a bad spot on Cloud City. He's not holding a grudge. And this is that moment where it's not just I forgive you. It's also I want to reconcile with you. And here's how I'm going to do that. I'm going to offer you the object that means more to me than almost life itself. Right. Um, and I absolutely love this little scene. And and again, it's kind of a foretaste of uh, of a much bigger theme of forgiveness we're going to get later in the film with with between Luke and Anakin. Um it's just an absolutely uh beautiful little scene. Um and uh just to, I want to also quick shout out. This is my favorite Lando out costu- costume as well. I love Land General Calrissian costume in Return of the Jedi. I love that cape. I love the under the arm holster like it's just so it's so like sexy and badass. <laughs> like I love it. It's so cool. <laughs> Um, but, uh, and then as they're, you know, as they kind of say their farewells and they give each other the salute that you and I, so we've probably talked about this before. People never see it cause we're off air at this point and we're not a visual podcast, but we always say, you know, have a good night to one another and give each other the Luke and Lando, uh, the Han and Lando salute. The Han. Yeah. Yeah. Um, every time we log off, yeah, Car- uh, Car- the Carl show. says, have a good night. And we get the salute. And I say, you too. <laughs> and it's just what we do. We've been doing it for years. Yes. <laughs> so, um, and, and I mean, I like it too, in, in the context of the, ha- the, the, the Han and Lando moment here too, because this is, these are two friends kind of just, just saying like, I trust you, you, you got this Lando, you got this with the, with the fighter fleet. I believe in you, Han. You got this. You're going to accomplish that mission down on the forest moon of Endor, right? It's it's two friends that have reconciled and have also recognized each other's talents and saying, like, you got this, right? It's kind of akin to that great little moment in Force Awakens when Poe jumps down from the X-Wing and gives Finn that little, you know, fist bump on the shoulder as he's walking by. Like, these are friends lifting each other up, believing in one another. Um, and that can only happen yeah. for these two because of the reconciliation that takes place. Um, so I love that. And, and then just to even end it with um, Han just staring at the cockpit of the Falcon and confessing he's afraid he'll never see her again. And again, there's been rumors about this for years. I've never been able to find a hard yes or no on this. But apparently one of the early screenings, they were originally going to have the Falcon blow up with Lando inside of it. Um, and apparently test screenings showed that it was not as fun as keeping Lando alive from things we've learned about George. I don't think he was ever going to kill Lando. He didn't want to kill anybody in this movie except the Emperor. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I don't think, I don't think George wanted to have a, uh, you know, a bittersweet moment in this movie. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but, but all that aside, like Han just kind of confessing that it, I, and like him saying, I don't, I got a feeling I'll never see her again. I don't think it's a, a lack of trust that Lando can get this done. Um, it could even just simply be, I don't know if I'll be back. Right. It's less about maybe Lando and more about his own fear of what awaits them on Endor. Um, and, and what I love is what pulls him back from that moment of, of distraction really is it's Leia. It's Leia is the one who pulls him back into their family and says, come on general. Right. And helps him find his focus again. And I just love how that's mirrored later in the movie when Luke is staring at the, 
the force ghost and Leia is the one who brings him back to the community. So again, just a powerful statement of how Leia Leia's role serves as the one who kind of guides people back and keeps them focused. Um, so that is the next thing I wanted to mention. No, that's a great scene and I, I love it. And it, it is, it is a, uh, important to note because, you know, of course, last time Han and Lando saw each other, uh, Han was getting put into carbonite, mm-hmm. you know, and of course Lando was there, uh, you know, to help rescue at the sail barge you know, at Jabba's palace, but you don't have a chance to really talk about anything in that moment. It's just like, get out, survive, and we'll deal with it later. And obviously they've, they've reconciled because they're even going on these separate missions uh, in command of these separate missions, because someone must have mentioned my little maneuver, the battle of Tanab, you know? (laughs) Uh, So, uh, which means Han recommended Lando for they probably asked Han first uh, if he wanted the the you know, the fighter job and he said nah I'm good but Lando might be good for it um, so it, it is a nice thing to to see and a nice thing to note um, that they have you know forgiven Han's forgiven Lando and they've reconciled. Uh, and they're and it's kind of over a ship that they both love incredibly. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a great scene. I love yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. I like it too. Um, well, what's up for you next? Well, we're gonna head all the way to the end of the movie and the celebration. Um, and I've always loved the the end celebration from Return of the Jedi. I, I like the montage of planets that we get and the fact that they added Naboo in, um, you know, here in the most re- – the, the Blu-ray, right? Mm-hmm. It was the Blu-ray they added Naboo? Yes. Yes. I don't um, think it was on the DVD. I think it was the Blu-ray that added it. I could be wrong though. Maybe yeah. it was the DVD. Maybe it was. It I was one it was, of those. I think it was um, the DVD because Blu-ray's only edition was the Blinking Wicket, which is still silly. <laughs> right, right. Well, anyway. And the no. And um, the no, yeah. No, but, I think uh, that was in the DVD as well. No, I don't think maybe so. not yet because they, uh, it's kind of copping Revenge of the Sith, which was not out yet when the DVDs hit. So you're right about that. Right. Good call. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's, so it's, it's a great, to, great to see the the – you know, the planets and the galaxy kind of taking a minute to celebrate, breathe a sigh of relief, even though there's still fight to go. Um, but what I really like about the celebration is less so the galaxy montage, which is great, as I said, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, getting to zoom in Bright Tree Village and we get to see our heroes like actually finally get to take a minute to breathe. And, you know, take in just what they've accomplished. You know, there is still a war on, but that's a problem for tomorrow. Um, You know, we can take a minute to, you know, appreciate the success, the unlikely success that we just achieved here today. Um, And, you know, celebrate that with everyone who made it. Uh, you know, all the heroes, Wedge, Admiral Akbar, I'm sure Mon Mothma was uh, watching from afar, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but 
you know, it's it's nice to it's very nice to see them all get a moment to breathe, get a moment to relax and smile and laugh. Uh, you know, because they've just been fighting and going crazy for so long. Um, so it's just it was just nice to see them all relax and breathe, you know, and have that moment to say, Hey, we did it. Um, so that was, that was something I wanted to bring up and, and mention today. So, yeah, no, I, and, um, I, I obviously have some, I have something to say about that as well, but you'll have to wait till next week for my comments on, on the, uh, the happy little campfire. So, uh, it's I, a great I, I certainly also love this moment very much. And then I'll, I'll share why next week. Um, but awesome. I, 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 this is all I'll say about it right now is I'm surprised it's in this portion. I'm surprised it's not more further up for you. And, and um, that's awesome. Like I, it just makes me excited for what else is in store. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's a, a wide variety of, of different types of things that I like, uh, about return of the Jedi and, I just, you know, the order might be a little bit different this time around just because of, of where I was at in my mood making yeah. the list. So um, that's that's all I'll say on that for now. <laughs> I uh, love it. <laughs> teasing. <laughs> all right. Um, what about you? What's, what's the next one you got? Uh, well, the next thing I got is uh, I, I call it Luke's Return to Dagobah. Um, and much like Luke going back to Dagobah, Jason, you know, there's nowhere I'd rather go than Dagobah. Um, that beautiful, swampy, gorgeous mess of a planet that just bristles with the force all around you. That's where I want to be. I mean, I mean, it's great story wise and for the force and everything, but like you can (laughs) keep the humidity and the mud and the gook. (laughs) <laughs> and keep it over there. And I will stay in a desert. Thank you very much. <laughs> Fair enough. It's <laughs> like that dry heat. Um, but yeah, I, I love Luke going back to Dagobah because it's Luke's need for validation. It's Luke's need to know where he's at at this point in his journey. Um, again, I think the, the kind of the hard canon number between episodes five and six is essentially a year, right? That's what most, mm-hmm. most folks throw around is about a year's time has passed. Um, so it's been a year since Luke has seen Yoda. He's, it kind of indicates that he's had no communication with either Yoda or Obi-Wan. Um, so he's kind of been doing his own thing. I know the newer run of the comics have been uh, tackling this particular part of the story in a new canon. Um, I've not seen much of it. I've seen bits and pieces, a lot of which I've not cared for. (laughs) Um, but some of it has been really neat. Um, I'm still of the opinion that shadows of the empire is this weird version of canon. Um, but all that to say, Luke has been away from his mentors for about a year. And like anybody who's going on a quest of this capacity, I understand the need to check in to hear, hey, how am I doing? You know, and where do I go mm-hmm. next? Um, you know, and as kind of with that lens, as I was rethinking of this scene, um, I mean, one of my favorite parts of Rise of Skywalker is the 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 two scenes where Ray says, be with me. Right. It's Ray's Ray's need for validation. Um not so much validation as it is just uh, the need for um, a sense of direction, connection, connection and direction. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this is kind of that for Luke. So Luke goes back because he does think he still is in need of training. Um, and 
he learns that he actually doesn't. There's no other skills he has to accomplish. He's already know you that which you need. Um, but there is something that he is in need of still is, okay, he kind of gets that validation. I am a Jedi. Oh, oh, so sure are you. One thing remains, Vader, right? So both of his mentors leave him with this this truth that to enter fully into the next stage of your life, you have to confront Vader. For Yoda, that's as far as it goes. It's somewhat vague. It's just you have to deal with this. You know, You know who he is now. You've got to deal with it. And for Obi-Wan, it seems to be destroy him. He never says you have to destroy him. But when Luke says, I can't kill my own father, <laughs> and Obi-Wan kind of dis- you know, defeatedly says, well, then the Emperor has already won. Um, you know, it, it kind of implies that for Obi-Wan, Luke has to, to, to confront Vader means to kill Vader, um, which, again the raging plot hole of Kenobi of him leaving him there after defeating him. Dude, why didn't you take care of it? (laughs) Sorry. That's the one thing in Kenobi that still makes zero sense to me why he leaves him there. Um, But uh, all that to say for him here, it's like, Hey, fix the mistake I made, I guess. um, And finish what I didn't. Um, But Luke has his own path. And this is what I love about Luke. Luke has grown beyond Obi-Wan. I, it's it's harder to say with Yoda because Yoda is so vague. All Yoda and Yoda, you know, kind of gives him the departing words of there's another Skywalker, um, opens up this reality for Luke that his family is about to grow. Um, but in this moment, it's Luke growing beyond his uh, his initial mentor, who is Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, which, again, is like that beautiful moment in, in Last Jedi when Yoda says to Luke, we are what they grow beyond. This is Luke growing beyond them. This is Luke understanding that he's got to follow his own heart, follow his own instincts, follow the promptings of the force through those instincts to do what he thinks is right with his father, which actually is not defeat, but it's reconciliation. It seems like at this point, Luke's already forgiven his father. He's so adamant that there's good in him. He's forgiven him. Now he just has the the process of reconciliation. Um, So... I I love this moment for that, that Luke gets what he needs, gets a sense of direction. But ultimately, as Luke says to Rey in Last Jedi, this is your fight. This is not for Yoda and Obi-Wan to tell Luke exactly what to do. This is for Luke to understand all the truth he gets. He, you know, this is an exposition dump scene. He has all the truth now, and it's up to Luke to make sense of it for himself. And I love this scene for that reason. Yeah, it is. It's a really nice um, scene. And then, you know, just to touch on, you know, part of what you were talking about, you know, Luke, Luke still sees himself as a learner, as as someone who has so much to go, which isn't wrong, but it's because the life of a Jedi is one of constant learning. Mm. Um so when he comes back and he shows the maturity and the growth um, of not only his skills, but his trust in the force and the humility to come back and seek that knowledge again, seek that, that training, you know, Yoda tells him already know you, that which you require, you know, uh, he, he won't give him the title Jedi Knight uh, until he completes the trial essentially, which is yeah. Vader. 
Yeah. Um, I think I think that's how Yoda sees Vader. Is is this is this is your trial? This is what you have to, uh, you know, figure out how to surmount this this trial in order to become a Jedi. Uh, and how you deal with this will determine the kind of Jedi you will be. Mm-hmm. Um, is kind of the implication that I get from Yoda in this scene, and. It's a great moment, you know, as Luke finally kind of realizes that, you know, he's further along than he thinks, and he just has to trust in the Force and, and you know, listen to that uh, and let it guide his, you know, his feelings and his thoughts and his actions uh, as he, you know, has to confront Vader. Which, as you said, is very different to the way that Obi-Wan probably uh, would have confronted Vader. Mm-hmm. And when we saw what Obi-Wan did in Kenobi, he confronted him with a lightsaber. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, uh, Obi-Wan is in a very dated position, mm. in a very hurt position still. You know, Obi-Wan cannot reach Anakin anymore. Obi-Wan could not do what Luke did. Um, There's the reception of Anakin can't take, can't connect with Obi-Wan on that level anymore. It takes someone connected to Padme. It takes his own flesh and blood to do this. And someone who is very pure like Luke to offer him forgiveness right out the gate. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) <laughs> yeah um yeah and it, i mean again it's, so. that, it's that it's that rhyming beat ryan johnson used in last jedi when luke says to leia i came to confront him but i can't save him right in regards to in regards to ben you know he understands right. this the part of the story he means to ben that he is what drove him to the dark side and it you know again somewhat in unintentionally um but because of that he knows he's not the one that can offer that path back. Um, uh, right. And, and yeah, and I right. think that's very true for Obi-Wan is, um, you know, and like when I rewind back and think of that moment in the Kenobi episode where he does just leave him there. I mean, he, he's leaving very broken. Like, I can't believe my friend is really gone. And maybe that's it. He just, you know, he stumbles off kind of in this depressed stupor and leaves him there. Just not thinking like, just not think I, again, like I, I just still have such an issue with it. Cause it just doesn't make sense. Like, why doesn't he again we know why he can't but like i just it's just so up in the airly written that i it just frustrates the hell out of me so um well that's fine that's fine it doesn't it doesn't take away from how awesome that scene is it's just when i think back on it it's like ah like why does he just leave me whatever this is not a kenobi episode (laughs) right right and i i see your issue but I'm also like, how are they going to have that kind of scene uh, and still have both of them living for the uh, original trilogy if they don't write it that way? You know, yeah, well, this is this is this is what comes from writing a prequel right. um, <laughs> when when the the end is already written. Yeah. So one uh, fr- one friend of mine, <laughs> and I, I loved her point. She said to me because she also found that that particular moment 
really frustrating. She's like, I don't get why they didn't just pull the Force Awakens thing and like make the planet open up in front of them and separate them like Kylo and Rey, right? Like that it, it wasn't physically possible to do that. And I was like, yeah, that would have made more sense than just walking away. So um, anyway, but what is what is your next point for your loving on Return of the Jedi? Well, this is a new one. This is a new one, and it's a it's a smaller one, but one that I, I you know, really kind of struck me, uh, and one I took notice of um, watching it today, and and that's Han's Endor humor. Um, Han is funny. Han is very funny, especially once we get to Endor. Um, and there's two moments in particular that I I. I want to highlight and the first one is of course, Hey, it's me, you know, <laughs> when he's about ready to go down and uh, take care of the scout troopers and you just get the look between Luke and Leia. It's like, Hey, it's me. And they look at each other like, yeah, that's what we're afraid of. So, <laughs> um, at which their their concerns are justified because they have to then run down the ridge and help clean up the mess. Um, but it's it's just a great moment, you know. He's he's feeling good. He's feeling back in the game. He gives the the cocky Han Solo grin, um, and he's just off. Um, the second one is uh, once the Ewoks have made them a part of the tribe. Han is up there trying to talk to 3PO to find out, you know, closest, you know, quickest way to the shield generator, uh, get us some, some supplies and get our, see if we can get our weapons back. Hey, I don't have all day. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, 3PO starts to ask the question, right. You know, and Han taps him on the shoulder again to add something, you know, and it's, it's the comedic threes, you know, it's like we hit him once, twice, hit it again. And it's like, Hey, why are you taking so much time? I don't have all day. And it's and the the double take, the double take from three PO is about the most absurd thing I've seen, and it cracks me up because it it's so fast. Three PO just like is is going to go do what Han is asking, and then just immediately clicks like, wait a minute, and the the look that he snaps back to, to Han is priceless. Um, you know, I, I say this to a character that literally has the same face in every single scene, but you get it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, the Han is, is, is just a very funny to me on Endor and, um, and in a way that's, uh, not overplayed, um, and in a way that really only makes sense for him being this kind of character. Uh, you know, it's, it, you couldn't get away with, you know, say, like, Luke doing any of this. It, it just wouldn't feel quite natural. Um, but, you know, it, I, I just think it was just really great and really funny. And uh, it, it kind of gives me the idea that Han is uh, really going to try and make the most of this new lease on life. And so he's going to just tackle yeah. this with everything. And he's kind of relaxed a little bit because uh, he's actually just me like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to go into this with everything I got and go into this with open arms and open heart 
with the rest of these people around me, um, you know, because they have my back. So I got to have theirs. And so I feel like Han is a bit more relaxed, even in this stressful circumstance uh, because of that. So and I think I think that's why in my in my read of things, he seems a little bit more loose, and a little more ready to crack a smile uh, once we hit Endor uh, than maybe, say, in Empire Strikes Back. So, <laughs> sure. yeah. Uh, I love that you're that you're highlighting this particular aspect of Han because um, after seeing Solo um, and and kind of the 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 silliness of Han throughout that movie, um, it where I felt that most in the original trilogy was Return of the Jedi Han, um, specifically mm-hmm. Endor. There's just kind of this silly optimism to him, right? Like um, he he seems so cynical and pessimistic in A New Hope. And Return of the Jedi, it's not that he's like a, you know, a naive optimist like Luke was in A New Hope. But there is right. but there is this sense of like, I mean, even as they're on their way to Endor, like, come on, let's keep a sense of optimism here. Right. <laughs> this yeah. is this is the Han of the movie solo. Right. Like there there was that younger part of himself that really believed that good could prevail through like really crummy situations in life. And he's kind of. I, I love that you're giving it the context, Jason, of a new lease on life in light of the Carbonite experience, right? Mm-hmm. Like, of course, that's going to dramatically alter his mode of existing in the world. I mean, he yeah. he was one step away from death and was held in suspension one step away from death for a year um, without us knowing what exactly that was like for Han and Carbonite. Um, so, yeah, like he does. I, I just love the way you kind of give it that context, Jason. That's awesome. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that's that kind of struck me as I was watching it today. I was like, you know, the, the humor struck me, and I was like, Han's not normally this funny. Why is he funny now? And that's kind of you know my backward logic, you know, to to get to the reasoning. That's that's the explanation I came up with. So I love it. Um, thank you. Yeah. Uh, what's your last one for the day? Well, it's it's almost uh, it's almost opposite of the f- fun comedic sign of Han, and I'm going to go to just the ominous creepiness of Emperor Palpatine. Um, yes, I love him in this movie. I every scene the Emperor is on screen, and again, this is this has been true pretty much since the day I was a child first watching this movie. Now, even to this day, having seen the movie hundreds upon hundreds of times, even if it's on in the background, any of the Emperor scenes. I'm watching because one, it's just a testament to Ian McDermott. Um, I just love the creepy darkness of all those scenes. Um, and you know what, what adds to the ominous, uh, presence of the emperors, of course, the brilliant theme that John Williams writes for him, you know, I mean, it just mm-hmm. seems like you're, you're dancing with death itself in a, in a way. Um, and, the thing I really love about the emperor scenes too, is his little aides that are always following just behind as he unload, you know, as he gets off the ship. And then later when Vader reports in, you know, about like, what do you want me to do next? Blah, blah. blah. And when Vader leaves, we see the emperor go to his aides. And really ever since the existence of episode nine, this has been that, I mean, again, this is like a two to three second moment at the end of the scene. But I was like, there's enough even just there to indicate that the emperor has been busy 
these past 25 years with, again, complete control of the galaxy. There are no restrictions on what he's allowed to do, what he's allowed to research, where he's allowed to go. And he's got these sithy little cronies in the shadows that Vader probably doesn't have a freaking clue half the time what they're doing. Of course, the Emperor's doing some skeevy stuff in the background with Sith magic. And again, like, I don't... I am never of the opinion that it, you have to like the Emperor being back in nine. Like, I get people not wanting that. That's totally valid. Um, but when people are like, there's no reason, like, there's nothing there to indicate that he would be. It's like, yeah, there is plenty there. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. just, I think it's just you don't like it. And that's fair. You don't have to like it. But there is definitely reasons to think he could come back. And it's just a little moment like that. It's the Emperor just like he just has his claws in everything. It's like oh, this yeah. dark web he's constantly spinning. And, um, you know, to the scene you you were mentioning earlier when Lucas first brought before him and Luke calls him out for his arrogance. I think that's what encapsulates the Emperor in every scene he's in in Return of the Jedi. Is, you know, everything is going as I have foreseen. Like, he just, he thinks he knows the inner workings of the galaxy itself. He is the one pulling all the strings. Even the Force is his servant in his mind. Um, and it just makes him an arrogant and terrifying character. And to the point you were making also with his relationship with Vader, it is very clear that Vader is a slave once again. Um, oh, yeah. you know, the way he's waiting on bended knee, the way he, the way he calls him master. And what I find somewhat like creepy is how the emperor is like rise my friend like he always seems to imply like they have this familial relationship but it's not real at all like he is the emperor's servant he is his prized possession but he belongs to the emperor um so every Mm -hmm. scene he's there it's like he's just got full control and he does whatever he wants and he's up to some creepy stuff oh that's for sure that is for sure. And you find out what some of that stuff is if you read um, Shadow the new, of the Sith. Uh, Shadow of the Sith book, which I finished listening to mm. last week. Um, and it's good. It's very good, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And I won't spoil anything because it's still fairly new mm. out. So uh, go check it out. I, I do recommend it. It's got some really good stuff. Uh, in terms of connecting the two trilogies and kind of getting things set up for the sequel trilogy. So um, I would check it out, Mm -hmm. but yeah, there's some really creepy stuff that you find out he's been up to uh, in that book. Uh, And these little minions of his uh, are definitely involved in some of that. So uh, yeah, no, the Emperor is fantastic. I, I as, Like you said, whenever he is on screen in this movie I'm watching, I I quote him almost the entire movie because <laughs> he is endlessly quotable, especially in Return of the Jedi. Um, and, you know, Ian McDermott just chews up the screen whenever he's on uh, in this movie. It, it, it's very, very good. Um but yeah, there's no. I, I don't need to tell you, all of you how much I enjoy Palpatine as a character and Ian McDermott's interpretation of the Emperor. Um, so I'm very glad that you mentioned this. 
because the emperor is fantastic. Uh, and I, I didn't have anything else super specific about him on my list, which I found very odd. Mm. So I'm very glad that you brought this up <laughs> um, because I needed an excuse to talk about uh, Papa Palpatine. Um, you know, but I, I do like you what you mentioned there, um, that it is very disingenuous and almost taunting yeah. that the Emperor calls Vader friend uh, because it's not true and they both know it um so even if he tries to it's sort of a callback to the prequels and what anakin thought he had with palpatine Mm -hmm. it's like you thought we were close i've been using you the whole time so yeah uh and you're still mine to use and wield as i seem fit uh and to his arrogance, uh, there's not a lot that hasn't, there's not a lot that has happened to this point that he hasn't been able to either pivot from expertly or have his fingers in in some way, shape, or form. So mm-hmm. while Luke is absolutely right that your overconfidence is your weakness, uh, Palpatine is overconfident because nothing has gone not according to plan in a very long time. Mm-hmm. So uh, it just so happens today's the day. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it's great. I'm glad glad you brought him up. Well, um, I'm very curious where you're gonna you're gonna end us for this one. Well, it would it would be uh, a shame if I talked about Return of the Jedi and did not talk about the excellent, excellent, excellent scene, which I'm sure you will mention next week, of Vader and Luke on the balcony on Endor. Mm. Um, and we've talked about this scene countless times and you know how it's david prouse and james earl jones's best scene as vader in my opinion um both of them together uh and david prouse in particular um the the physical acting that he does especially after luke is taken away and he's leans against the balcony is is fantastic um I'm not going to go ahead and I'm not going to belabor this, uh, this scene too much because we have talked about it so much, Mm. but uh, it, it really is the, the hinge point for Vader uh, in this movie. It's, it's where everything turns where Luke offers the forgiveness he didn't ask for um, and called out to his father, Anakin, and not Darth Vader, and woke something within him that he thought was dead and has told people, like Obi-Wan, that Anakin was dead for a long, long time. And he just found out Anakin's not really dead. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it unsettles him. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic scene and one that 
I'm very, very glad uh, that we have because it really is is so so perfectly acted and shot um, that there's not a bad thing I can say about this scene yeah. at all. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's so good. Um, and I, I I won't go spe- as specific into this scene next week either, but that will certainly come into one of the points <laughs> that I have is is in, in next week's show. Um, so I'll just reserve comment until then. Um, but Jason, this is this has been a great start to this conversation about Return of the Jedi. I mean, this movie is just so good, and um, I, I actually watched it. Uh, Oh, gee, I've, I've watched it twice now in the last four days, but I watched it with a friend of mine on Friday um, and uh, we were just talking a bit about just how every single movie from the original trilogy just has such a different flavor. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they're all so different. And and I think, I mean, it's just something that I, I love so much about it. Um, and Return of the Jedi is, it is this very lighthearted, fun jaunt but embedded in it is this are these very serious themes and and character moments um and uh I love that we're hitting on both you know both spectrums there and everything in between yeah absolutely it it's really i think it's an underrated star wars movie a little bit you know i know mm. it's 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 talked about a lot but i think it is a bit underrated um you know i don't disagree so yeah. Yeah. So it's as, it's very 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 good. <laughs> yes. Um and as as we you know plan we you know we'll be back next week with with part 2 of this conversation and in between now and then we'd love to hear some of the things you love about this movie as well. Again, scenes, moments, themes, whatever. We want to know what you love about Return of the Jedi just just for the heck of it. Um absolutely. So I I would love to hear cuz uh, you know you all know it's my favorite Star Wars movie. So if I can hear you guys talking about your favorite parts of my favorite Star Wars movie, that's only going to make me happy. So I'm uh, <laughs> <laughs> just a little self-indulgent uh, with this topic. So that's fine with me. <laughs> um but yeah, that'll be fantastic. Uh, and Carl, if people want to weigh in on anything that we've discussed or send in their thoughts on Return of the Jedi, where can people do that? Uh, well, we are on uh, Instagram at the Wampusler. We're also on Twitter at Wampusler, and you can always email us at WampuslerPodcast at gmail dot com. Excellent. Uh, anything else before we wrap up this first part of our Return of the Jedi discussion? No, just want just love this movie even more now. Exactly. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to spread the Return of the Jedi love to everyone who listens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that being said, thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the Wampa's Lair Podcast. This has been episode number 477, Why We Love Return of the Jedi, part one. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampa's Lair.